Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Matewa, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, Stamp and score! It is Champions Cup quarterfinal week, and what a weekend we have in store. Munster host Toulouse at the Aviva Stadium, followed by Leinster visiting the cauldron of Welford Road to take on Premiership leaders Leicester. It promises to be an absolutely cracking weekend of European rugby. Welcome to the left wing, Will Slattery here with Luke Fitzgerald. As always, we'll be joined in just a minute by Keane Tracy to look ahead to the weekend's action. But first, Luke, what a blockbuster kind of schedule we have to look forward to. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, I think even that French uh, match between La Rochelle and Montpellier will be a really intriguing one too. Um, obviously, we keep an eye keep an eye out for our, our, our exiled uh, Corkman, um, the, the the great Raj, and see how he gets on. Um, see if he gets into more, any more fights on the on the touchline. Um, he's box office wherever yeah. he goes, isn't he? But um, that'll yeah, be a great match. But obviously, look. You know, I think Rassing Sale, I think that'll be comfortable. But um, the two Irish matches, I mean, they're intriguing affairs. Heading over to Welford Road is very difficult for Leinster. That Leicester team is resurgent. Uh, a lot of quality, a lot of, you know, experience in the right places too. Um, gnarly enough pack and a very good coach. So um, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. And look, obviously, Munster to lose is probably... Actually, no, I don't think it's the biggest of the weekend. I think maybe I, I, I can't. My Leinster side is still in there somewhere. I've got to leave. It's still in there, even though I know as a journalist, I, I shouldn't be uh, biased anywhere. But that might be the biggest one for me. But I suppose the Aviva Stadium, Munster to lose. Um, uphill task for, for Munster, no doubt. But they're playing good rugby. Um, I think there'll be a big crowd. And I think I think they might do it. So um, that's that, that's a... Maybe a little roundup of, of of the games, but there's some really intriguing affairs, particularly those those three. I think the Racing and Sale match of, is, I don't want to say foregone conclusion, but the other three are really tight. You know, there'll be a good bit of bite. I think it reminds me of the old Heineken Cup competition. I don't know about you, Will, um, but I'm buzzing for this weekend. Can't wait to watch to sit down, watch the rugby, and um, you know, have a little bit of uh, a little bit of grub, a little bit of little, a few beers. Really, really, I'm looking forward to, to these. It's been a long time since I've been kind of I think mentally in this place for the competition I don't know about you I know I was kind of I liked the the the, the, the two legs but I think this now we there's some real quality I think a lot of the best teams are now in this slot and I'm really looking forward to see how they all get on I think the, I think it's back as a competition actually oh yeah well you couldn't ask for more than Munster to lose followed by Leinster Leicester and a back-to-back on Saturday you know early afternoon and evening it's going to be an absolute belter and 
what's more to determine the added intrigue of if Munster and Leinster both come out on top. They'll meet again the following weekend at the Aviva Stadium, kind of going back to those famous games. You know, you were involved in the one at Croke Park, but that's kind of the ultimate card for all Irish rugby fans is getting those two guys back together again in another European uh, knockout game. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice little, um, say, subplot maybe. Um, and I think, um, yeah, look, it, it's 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 really building really nicely now. I think into this, and, I, and and a lot of the rhetoric, I think, like both sides, particularly the Leinster Leicester one, where I probably have a bit more foot in in those camps, and, and certainly in the Leinster camp. But um, you know, the, the Leicester camp are treating this really seriously. They are building this Leinster team up, and Leinster are doing likewise. They're not underestimating the size of the challenge going over to Welford. So. Um, and look, Toulouse speaks for itself, doesn't it? So yeah, look, it's 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 building nicely, and we, you know, whatever unfolds after this as well, we've got so much good rugby coming our way. I think, um, and I always felt that with the old competition. Once you got the knockout, you just were like, wow, there's like fixture after fixture after fixture where you're just glued to the telly or wherever your seat, uh, not probably not to your seat, you're off your feet, um, off your seat, sorry, in the in the stands. So yeah, I think it has that feel about it, and um, you know can't wait for the next kind of six seven weeks of rugby i don't know about you will yeah we're going to take a little more of an in-depth look at all the weekend's games now we'd like to have keen tracy on for our champions cup quarter final preview keen what's the big storyline for you heading into this weekend oh uh good question um i suppose the biggest storyline for me well the thing i'm most interested in is are Munster going to continue playing the way they've been playing over the last few weeks when it comes to the, the crunch? Because over the last few seasons, they've kind of retreated back into their shells and they've kind of had that kind of restricted, limited game plan. So of all teams to, to be going up against, like, I don't know, do you want to be playing a fast and loose uh, game plan against a team like Toulouse? But at the same time, I just don't think uh, a defensive kind of showing is kind of what's needed either because that's why Munster have come up short. Um I'm kind of going to give you two now, but I'm I'm fascinated to see, I suppose, the premiership leaders, how they go up against Leinster. Um I'm 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 still I'm still not convinced, I have to say. Like I, I'm very curious to see how, how this is going to go, but because from my mind, I think Leinster are are better a far better team, actually, if I'm being honest, than, than Leicester. So I'm very curious to see how the premiership kind of like I said, the league leaders stack up to to the best team, I suppose, in Ireland. So um, I, the Champions Cup in general, I think, has been a bit of a slow burner. But, you know, that was kind of through no fault of anyone's. I've just kind of circumstances with the pandemic and stuff. But now when you're in the last date, I mean, we've got four cracking games to look forward to. And I thought as much as I was kind of a traditionalist and I do prefer the the old model, you'd have to say that the the previous round, the two legs in round of 16 was brilliant as well. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. What about you, lads? Yeah, Luke, you know, from your perspective, Keen kind of went through a few things there that you're catching his eye. Like, you know, what about you? Like that, that kind of Leicester-Leinster battle, the two probably formed teams in Europe, given the French league is in a bit of flux. There's a lot of kind of changing around the positions there at the moment. So there's two teams who are kind of the market leaders at the moment in terms of the standings. Like what's jumping out to you ahead of uh, the big weekend? Yeah, like it's hard not to look past the two Irish teams in there and those those two fixtures. I think from a Leinster perspective, um, like tough place to go um, without having done much wrong in the competition. And I think there's still a bit of, you know, ill feeling in the camp. Uh, about kind of how they were treated around the COVID situation, the, the the outbreak there. I know that's old news now, but it, you know, when you come into a fixture like this, you're kind of thinking, "Geez, like Welford Road is such a difficult place to go." And Leinster haven't lost a game really, you know. So it's um, 
that'll be tricky. But they need to get over that quickly or, or else bring some kind of fire or some kind of, you know, something from the kind of sense of injustice that they have. I mean, Leicester, you know, inside their camp and talking to one or two people there, like they are really building this up. They're, they they know the size of the challenge they're facing them against Leinster. Um, they won't be underestimating them as some English teams sometimes do against Irish teams. Uh, I think they know the magnitude of the challenge and Leinster have great pedigree in the competition at this stage. It's not like kind of when I started out, you know, Leinster were good, but a bit of an unknown quantity and a bit inconsistent. So um, I think that is the, that's the pick of the fixtures. Uh, it might be a bit of an arm wrestle. Um, I think both teams are equipped well for that. Um, with Leinster probably having the edge in terms of, you know, running rugby football, as Bill McLaren would say. Um, I think if it, if it gets a little bit fast, I think, it, and, and loose, it suits Leinster. But I still think, you know, if it's tight, um, you know, both teams are well equipped for a big battle in there as well. So I think it, that is the makings of an intriguing game. Um, hopefully it's a bit open, but I think un, probably unlikely. Uh, the Munster game, yeah, I mean, I think they need to, like, at some point, they they can't go into their shells against these big teams. I think they've got plenty of firepower themselves. I think they've played some great rugby. I mean, I think they can look to the Kingspan performance and be very, very confident um, about what they can achieve and the rugby they can play. They look very, very competent there. They look comfortable as well in a place that's a difficult place to, to go. And I think um, I just don't want to see them revert to that you know, box kicking performance that we've seen from them when they've come to the latter stages, almost afraid to play, afraid to take a chance, uh, you know, around the middle of the pitch, thinking kind of negatively about it, thinking, oh, well, if you give away a penalty there, it's three points, uh, you know, it could be three points or you're kind of back in your 22. They need to think the other way about it, whereby, well, if we make a break here, we're probably into the 22 or beyond. Um, so I think I'd like to see them a bit of, a bit of growth, a bit of belief. Uh, I think they need a massive defensive performance i think they've got we talked about it off air but it sounds like they've thirty thousand or so sold i think they might get to the forty thousand. i mean that's that's a serious crowd for for a game like this and that could be the that kind of 16th man that those monster supporters um can provide when you know they see the team putting in a shift and being competitive and i think they're this one to my mind is is to lose their course of favorites well i don't know i think it's tighter than and uh, I think it's to be a really like tight game as well. I expect a uh, you know fireworks. You know I, I'm not sure actually. Interestingly, I'm actually not sure that a, that a that slower game actually will suit Munster against Toulouse. That's a really heavy pack that they're coming up against. It'd be difficult to contain around malls and things like that. So uh, sorry, I've gone on. I'm conscious I've gone on for for quite a bit here. I, um, and I'll try and cut it short. But that they're they're probably my initial thoughts on the two fixtures, and they're definitely the ones that stand out just because you know Rassing Sale. I think. I can't see them losing in, in La Défense. You know, I just think they, they'd be too strong for them. Um, and the other two fixtures, the Irish fixtures are just, they're, they're kind of intriguing. They'd be big battles, I think, and they'd be very tight. So they're the ones that stand out. Yeah, Keen, in terms of the Leinster-Leicester game, you know, you mentioned that you think Leinster are a good bit better than Leicester, you said. You know, what, why do you think they're so much better? I touch on a couple of points that, that Luke made. I think for sure going to Wellford Road is going to be really tough. I was actually there for the first time um, a couple of weeks ago for the women's game and I'm going again this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to it. It has like, a, like I don't know what you think, Luke, it has like a mix of the old and the kind of new with the stance that they've put in, but it, it still has that kind of like the crowd is real on top of you. It reminds me of Toma Park actually in, in some way. So I can't wait to, to see, to see the, the occasion, I suppose, around it. Um, why do I think Leinster are a better team? I think 
I think you, you know what you're going to get from this Leicester team and they're bloody effective at doing it. Like they've got a gnarly pack who are going to look to take the game to the up front and I think they're going to kick the ball a lot through George Ford at 10. I think Leinster, and it'll be very interesting to see if James Ryan it comes back this weekend. I know he's back training and he didn't go to South Africa, which I thought was pretty telling. So I would imagine that Leinster have him eyed up to, to play some part this, uh, this weekend, which would be a massive boost because I think as well as Ross Maloney and Josh Murphy have played, I think they could really do with a James Ryan in their gun going to a place like Welford Road. So I think Leinster are well equipped to handle what Le- Leicester will throw at them up front. I don't think this Leicester pack is on the same scale as like, let's say a La Rochelle or even a Toulouse maybe. Um, as good as they are, I think Leinster can go toe-to-toe with them. I think the Leinster bench is much stronger as well. And I think that could have an impact later in the game. So I think if Leinster are able to withstand the kind of the early onslaught, which I imagine they will be, I just think their firepower in the back line is that's where the, the key difference is. I think you look at the centres, Ringrose and Henshaw, uh, Johnny Sexton, obviously. It'll be interesting to see if they go with Gibson Park or Luke McGrath, because I think Leinster have still been kind of going with Luke McGrath for some of the big games, but I think Gibson Park is is going to be pretty important to, to speeding up the tempo because I think Luke mentioned Munster won't kind of want to slow down the game. I think Leinster will look to to speed it up as well and to move that pack around and to get the likes of James Lowe and Jimmy O'Brien and Hugo Keenan involved as well. So um, that's why I think Leinster are a better team. I think they're more rounded. I think, you know, much has been made of the fact that Leinster have been at home for the last two weeks as in their, their first choice team. And, you know, it, I was listening to Stuart Lancaster in the press conference yesterday and, it's interesting. Like I, I think I would take Leinster's preparation over Leicester's. I know there's the argument that they'll be more battle hardened and, and, and that, but I think Leinster's Leinster and Leo Collin and Stuart Lancaster, the way they manage things, like they're used to kind of coming back and hitting the ground running. Um, I mean, it'd be very interesting to have seen what training would have been like last week in terms of who they were running up against. I imagine there was a lot of young lads drafted in to make up the numbers in training, but um, you can be sure that they were being put through their paces. And I just think they're going to be coming into it humming. I know they haven't played since that Connacht game and Connacht were pretty poor, you'd have to say, at the Viva. But I, I thought, I'm not sure if I've been on with you lads since, but I thought some of the the, the rugby Leinster played that day was was incredible, really, in, in terms of the backline play. So at times it was like watching Ireland. And I think, now more than ever, Ireland are more synced up. So um, I think Leinster are in a very good place that they're hitting form at right at the right time. And I don't think we've seen the best of them really yet either this season. So that could be a bit ominous for Leicester. So that's the reasons why I think uh, Leinster are a better team. Would you agree, Will? Or I know you watch a lot of Premiership. Yeah, I think that for Leicester, I think they haven't been in a knockout or you know a quarter final of the Champions Cup since 2016. So it's a, it's a really new experience for the vast majority of these guys. A lot of whom have been recruited over you know, the last three, four years. So it's a massive step up for them. And, you know, just the, the quality of the Leinster team, you know, they've the international, Ireland national front row, they have the Ireland international back row, the halfbacks, the centres. You know, the only guy who isn't in Ireland national is Jimmy O'Brien, who's probably been up there for player of the season. James Lowe looks reinvigorated. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things in their favour going into the weekend. But, Luke, from a player's perspective, you know, say if you were in the Leinster squad, would you have preferred the two weeks off um, you know, being in Dublin while the, the you know the, the other players were down in South Africa, kind of going through training with Stuart Lancaster, or would you like to have been in the Leicester camp, play, getting kind of one hit out against Bristol when they were pretty comfortable and but kind of just blowing away some of the cobwebs maybe ahead of the European quarterfinal? 
I think I'd probably prefer it to be in the Leicester camp preparation wise, but um, I think you know Ireland has gotten very good at managing these things, and the, the I think the, you know the way they would have stimulated training. They, I know they were running up against the sub academy for the last couple of weeks, so those guys would have been absolutely mustered to make a name for themselves. So you'd imagine there was probably some fireworks in training, and um, you know they would have got really game opposition. So I'd say they're well prepared, um, and I think that um, you know. They kind of do it well. Those big breaks, Ireland do them well now. They don't, it's not really a bit of a mess. Like the training is so organized. The guys are, you know, there's a lot of experience there. A couple of the SM younger guys, but I think they, they, they manage themselves really, really well. So I expect them to, I expect it to not have much of a difference. If you're asking preference, I probably prefer to blow off the cobwebs. I think if you were looking at it, you'd think, you know, heading to South Africa, COVID risks, things like that. It was the sensible play to to not bring them. I think there was just an, a heightened risk there that, you know, if you if you did play them at that point, that you know you lost one or two guys or whatever it is, and 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 um, I'd say that might have played a part in the decision aside from the travel and all that kind of stuff and the impact that might have. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be well positioned to 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 to, um, you know attack this Leicester team I think they'll have prepared like to the up team you know they'll have looked at they'll know which foot everyone steps off which they're you know their their preferred um you know ball carrying side they'll have looked at how this team you know plays and I, and I think that'll be really important is the, probably why I'm getting at that I think Bortwick is a guy who seems to have been incredibly well thought of particularly around the line out time so I think you know he'll have Leinster kind of fairly figured out there it'll be interesting to see how they combat that um again Keane mentions an interesting one like I think James Ryan Hope I'm not betraying any confidences here, but I think he got some fairly positive news on that on that um, concussion. I think it wasn't as serious as the, the type of it was 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 kind of milder than than the other ones that you might get. So I think I'd expect him to play. I don't know that, um, but I just he, he heard did that. just on that Luke. He did the at, at the Connacht game. It kind of went a bit unnoticed, but he he actually went through the full warm up with Leinster, which usually is an indication that a player is like you know. Well, very I felt close. really bad about Keane. That's the reason I bring it up because I was mm. kind of saying, Jesus, like I mean, this is he's getting a lot of these. He really needs to be careful, of, you know. And look, that's always coming from a good place because we know how serious head injuries are, but. I think I may have, and a lot of us, look, we don't have the information, I suppose. And we're, and look, a lot of it is coming from genuine concern for a player from the media. Um, it's not to, you know, be, you know, uh, you know, it's not, we're, no one's looking for headlines when they're mentioning things like that. It's genuinely going, well, look, we know more about this now. We've got to be careful. So I think I may, myself and lots of other people might have overstated possibly that without knowing the insides of it. So um, I wasn't surprised when, you know, to, to see him out because I, I, I remember it being commented on that he was out uh, training. I think that was because he got very positive news from the doc. So um, expect him possibly to be involved. We hope he is. I think he'd make a big difference to this Leinster pack. You know, Welford Road, I played there on a number of occasions. Such a difficult place to go and play. It's like a real tight pitch. As you say, the crowd will be up for this one. Like this is, you know, they're, they're building it up over there. You know, Leicester with, you know, the, you can even, some of the Borthwick's comments during the week about you know, Leinster having the preparation, the extra time, all this kind of stuff. I, I think he thinks he's building this up for a massive challenge. And I think the crowd over there, you know, it's, they've got a great model. It's like, it's, it was one of the only clubs, I think maybe them and Exeter that actually, you know, that, that are run properly in terms of, I think, you know, how they actually generate revenue for the club and the sustainability, et cetera. Um, and that's based on, you know, regular supporters coming week in, week out, even if the team isn't doing great. So you expect big crowd at the game, tight place. I always felt like the groundskeeper must have absolutely soaked the dressing room, like literally from 
like there wasn't a, there wasn't an inch of the dressing room that wasn't wet when you arrived in there. It's absolutely bizarre. But like they just try and make it uncomfortable for you. Like it's it's a really tight little changing room. You can hear everything. It's a real experience to go and play there. And I think that'll be, you know, there are some young Lens lads who might have experienced something like this in a big crowd. So there's lots of challenges with this. And I think they are, yes, earlier in the journey than this Leinster team in terms of where the team is and the club, etc. But they'll pose a massive challenge at home. Like, and look, we all know the basis for a big performance and wins is that pack and they do have a good pack and they'll be really well organized under Borthwick. So um, it's a huge challenge for this Leinster team, despite them on paper being a better team. I think the, the crowd factor will be interesting actually just now that you mentioned it, because when I was over, what was it, two, three weeks ago, I was speaking to someone um, in Leicester at the ground and ticket sales had actually been quite slow. Um, Welford Road has only sold out once this season and that was really? over Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as well as Leicester. Is that what the, is June, that they the added capacity, Keen? Yeah, just... so like their capacity is oh, yeah. up at like high 20s. I, I think I'm right, that's off the top of my head, but they, they haven't been selling it out regularly despite the fact that they've been flying high. So that's very interesting. I know having been speaking to this person that they were they were worried that there's a lot of Leinster supporters uh, going to be traveling over as well this weekend so it'll be very interesting to see kind of what crowd is there and I also think it's worth mentioning as well the the Leo Cullen factor because um I was speaking to someone in Leinster a couple of weeks ago and they were saying that since the the, the, it became clear that Leinster were going to be playing Leicester. Like Leo Cullen has been giddy with excitement, apparently, like that he just cannot wait to go back there. You know, he, he had such success there um, as a player and, you know, bringing this kind of star-studded team back to a place that he has such fond memories. Um, you can imagine that he's going to want a really big performance as well. So there's just so many fascinating subplots to this. Um, and like Luke said, it's a, it's a big, big test for this Leinster team. It's a fascinating ground of visit. My, my one trip to Elver Road was actually 20 years ago for the quarterfinal between Leicester and Leinster with Martin Johnson's team absolutely steamrolled Leinster. Uh, but it was a great, great, great stadium, though, to be fair, a great atmosphere. One interesting thing about Leicester is, you know, they're a young team. They're kind of early in their development. And yet George Ford is leaving at the end of the season. Ellis Gange is leaving at the end of the season. That's their captain and their playmaker and their kind of on-field kind of you know, general. It's an interesting one, Luke, that like two key guys deciding to leave at this stage of the project. There's also been speculation Steve Borthwick could end up succeeding Eddie Jones potentially. So while it, you know, on one hand you can say, oh, Leicester, they're, you know, they might have other chances. You know, for a lot of these guys, potentially the coaching staff, like they can't let this opportunity slip either. No, you're right. And you know, Borthwick has kind of been earmarked. I think the challenge for him is that it sounds like Eddie Jones will be given a bit of a carte blanche in terms of what he wants to do and succession planning, etc. And I think he, it sounds like whoever he's going to select, he wants on his coaching staff for the kind of World Cup period. Like, but uh, look, I don't know, has he had enough? Like, I, I, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, um, my sense is that I like I, I'd be you nearly be sad to see him leave because I think he's done such good work here. I think there's there's more like the, the issue I think would be whether he thinks a premiership is enough because I think they're well positioned to, to maybe go and win that. I think this might be a step too far because if you look at those teams that they come up against in the semi-final as well. I just can't see them getting all the way over. I think there's just two they're just they're just a little bit behind, you know, those those top teams. Um so yeah, look it'll be it it, it is. I mean, look, I think again just going back because I think Bristol is his home, isn't it? So I think that's where where he's originally played his rugby. I think he might have got a start there. I think there's a bit of, um, I don't know, maybe nostalgia driving that or, or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, cash. But, Some people call it cash. Cash, the cash. <laughs> but I, I think have they not capped all the salaries? I thought they capped well, the salaries. Well, they, they have, but like Le- Leicester ran into problems as well, which is like one of the reasons why. That some of their pairs are leaving too. So um, I didn't realize. Jeez, I'm obviously not. My my sense of Leicester has always been that it's a, one of the great clubs in in the UK, and that it's always held its own because it got great support week in week out. But that's obviously not the case. Uh, yeah, they were. Fu- I, my they sense were fu- that they were running it quite tight, and that they were they were they weren't paying players enough, and that basically a lot of the quality was going to to other clubs. But lots of those other clubs, as we subsequently found out that actually wasn't sustainable and they were breaking rules and stuff, whereas Leicester weren't doing that. And that's probably a reason why there was some kind of decline. Um, but yeah, you look at, it sounds like you're more up to date than me. But I always said, I always, my sense was always that them and Exeter ran a really tight ship. And um, yeah, look, that's, that's, it, that's it, it only, it only came out in, in March. They were fined 300,000 sterling for, for breaching salary cap. So uh, maybe that's, <laughs> so, that's something. Fair enough. <laughs> so maybe that's why some of their parents even, yeah, because okay. it's interesting because Andre Pollard is coming in in the summer to replace George Ford and uh, reportedly a, a monster salary. So while they've been fine for salary cap issues and some big names are leaving, it's not as if they're going to be without star quality uh, next season. But yeah, obviously th- that game in Leicester on Saturday evening is going to be an absolute cracker. Keen. We might look more in depth now in Munster to lose the three o'clock kickoff. Such a mouth-watering prospect, as Luke mentioned there. There's already been a decent amount of tickets sold. Hopefully a few more uh, go before now on, on Saturday. You know... Yeah. Is it a coincidence that Munster have seemed to have hit a nice patch of form around the kind of the finalization of the coaching situation? Is, is that a coincidence for you or are they related? I think it's an easy one to point to. And I definitely think it's had an impact just in terms of, um, you know, like giving clarity to, to players and, and knowing who's going to be running the show. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's 100% why Munster are playing so well, but I don't think there's any doubt that that kind of clarity helps players. I mean, you had Peter O'Mahony, you know, coming out in the media and pretty much said that, yeah, it was a distraction. So um, I'm paraphrasing there. I can't remember what the word he used. So, um, no doubt it's helped to kind of steady the ship and look we've seen Munster kind of go down this road before over the last couple of seasons that you know when the weather gets better and the, the ground firms up because that's one of the things that Stephen Larkin has repeatedly said during his time that you know well to wait till the weather gets good but I mean you're in the wrong you're in the wrong job if you're waiting for the weather to get good in in Ireland to play decent rugby but Munster have arrived at this stage of the season now in in very good uh, in a really good position, but like we touched on at the start, we've seen this before. And kind of when you know the going gets tough, they kind of retreat back into their shells. So I think th- th- it's stating the obvious, obviously, obviously that this is a massive test of where Munster are. But I was even thinking back to the the game, the quarterfinal that they played Toulouse last year, and um. I think Munster are definitely in a better position. I think their pack, though, I would have concerns over their pack, particularly without Dave Kilcoyne, Tyg Byrne, and Gavin Coombs. Like even you think back to Gavin Coombs was outstanding in that in that game last year. Like he really took the fight to them. Um, so I think as 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 much as Munster have improved, I would still have concerns around the scrum. I mean. Uh, Julian Marchand is back now for Toulouse as well. And he's been a big miss for the last few weeks, kind of since the Six Nations. And when you're able to bring Movaka off the bench then as well, they kind of have a real a real double team there. So this is going to be incredibly tough, I think, for Munster. But look, they've they've actually been they've been showing much more a, a more willingness to to play ball. I think, you know, Joey Carberry has that bit of a swagger back at Burnham as well, which makes a, a big difference. I think Dialende is coming into form again, and he was unbelievable in that Toulouse game last year, too. So while they're definitely, you know, gonna miss the likes of Byrne, Kilcoyne, and Coombs, there's definitely a feel-good atmosphere. And I think 
you know, to be fair to Munster, like, like it's 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 still crazy to think that they're playing their quarter final in in the Aviva when they could have been playing it um, at Thomond Park. And they actually, if they were to get through uh, this weekend as well, it's worth mentioning that you know they would have been able to play the semi final in Thomond Park, um, which is unusual. But that's just the rules that EPCR had made this year. But it won't be available because of the the aftermath of the Ed Sheeran concert too. Um, so like it's re- it's really frustrating, and I I think that that's going to play into Toulouse's hands but on the flip side you'd have to say fair play for Munster I think the ticket pricing strategy has been really really clever Um, like over 31,000 tickets like Luke said they could easily push that up to the 40 mark I know they're running buses from all around the province as well at like a tenner return or something so there's been a huge kind of collective effort I think to make the most of what is this weekend and look it has the makings of it kind of when you see the amount of tickets being sold and you know everyone kind of rallying to for a big day out in Dublin it kind of reminds you of the Munster of old and you kind of have all those ingredients for a, a massive occasion this weekend. But it, like I said, I would still have concerns around the pack. Yeah, you mentioned the crowd factor, like kind of if they can get a really good number there with a good support, it kind of would be a throwback to, you know, the days in the noughties when, you know, they played Leinster and it was a sea of red. And even I think at that quarterfinal that year was Perpignan. I think they sold it out that day as well. And it was a really good uh, crowd there. And in terms of the injuries, a guy you didn't mention there as well, who's missing out is John Hodden, who's been playing really well too. He, he's picked up an injury. I think Chris Keode is out as well. So they're a bit thin in the back row. Alex Candelum probably will have to step in, although he's a great player and I would have confidence that he can step up. But yeah, even like missing Hodden, who I've been really impressed with, is another blow. Luke, you know, from a Toulouse perspective, you know, Antoine Dupont obviously is an absolute magician, you know, the best player in the world at the moment by far. If you're Munster, how do you kind of game plan for him? What what would you be looking to do to blunt his impact? Jeez, don't let him, like, use his handoff. Like, I just am amazed at how many people get caught by that. It drives me up the wall. Um, He also is, like, because he's touching the ball so often, like, it's such a good place to have your best player, isn't it? Um, Like, because it means it's so hard to stop him. However, you know, I think you just need to be... The good thing for them versus, say, Ulster is that it's one game. You know, trying to contain him over two legs, bloody difficult. Um, you know, I think, um, and I didn't envy that task, and he ended up being the key guy at the key moment, didn't he? But, um, yeah, look, I think there's, there's the problem for them is that there's more threats with this Toulouse team as well. You can't just look at DuPont, and that's what makes it such a big challenge. But I do think that, you know, you prepare correctly for him, you, you learn, like everyone on the team. The thing about DuPont is because he's touching the ball so often um, throughout the game, Everyone it can't just be the backs that need to know, you know, what hand he wants to carry. And he he obviously will have a dual dual arm carry. He'll have he pretty much has a dual arm fend as well. It means that every single person needs to be aware of that. Um, and he's so strong and, and evasive that like he's almost a two-person job all the time. And I think the one thing I would say is given his impact on games, and people would say, Oh, well, look, we, you know, because he's the the scrum half, he like he's able to get the ball away. So it means that we can't just defend him with two people. I think you've got to defend him with two people. I, I just think that's wrong with him. I think you've always got to be cautious. You've got to be, you know, you've got to stay a little bit longer with the guy that's opposite, opposite him. And I think that's probably how you go and contain him. And I think as well, you know, he's not immune to, to, to making errors. Like he will continue to try things. He can put his team under pressure because he has so much belief in his ability. Now, generally, you know, 95% of the time it works for him. 
but you know you got to hope that that's one of the, you know if you put enough pressure on him you put him in enough uh, situations where he's on the back foot that he will make mistakes and that you can capitalize on him. the guy is human at the end of the day and and Munster is certainly capable of having that kind of swarming uh, defensive impact when when they're when they're clued in you know when they're really focused um just requires a 23 man effort um over 80 minutes but i think they're 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 very capable of going ahead and doing that and I, and i think at home if they get a big crowd Things like that can sharpen the focus, can 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 you know give you that extra five ten minutes that you know you, when when you're on an empty tank, you know that can lift you to a performance that you maybe don't think you're capable of. And I think um, my sense is that it's it's it, it has the it has the makings of that kind of performance. I think Keen sounds like it sounds like look you'd be obviously closer to 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 the kind of feeling there. I I work with a guy who's who's a like a massive monster supporter. And I feel like there's a big buzz about this one. It, it does remind me of that kind of old, uh, you know, Munster kind of traveling support, uh, that kind of feel. And and they could produce a special performance and it'll they'll, they'll need to. Um, and he's certainly the key guy that, that you'll have to watch. So, yeah, uh, that's probably my thoughts on how you contain him, Will. It's bloody hard, but it is doable. The, the, the problem is, I suppose, and Munster saw this uh, in last season's game, they actually kept him quiet for, for a lot of the game, but then he popped up with two late tries and bam, that, that's the game done. And like that is the brilliance of him, isn't it? Like he can, you might not see him for 15, 20 minutes and then he just comes up with a massive game breaking play. Um, I think, interesting, I think he plays looser with Toulouse than he does with France. That's probably just the nature of that you don't get away with the same kind of uh, mistakes as Test Rugby. But Against Ulster in particular, he threw some sloppy passes and he made a couple of errors. So Munster really have to capitalize on that. And I think you're dead right, Will, to, to point out to John Hodden. I should have mentioned him when I was saying it. I think he would have been an ideal guy to have kind of said, okay, like you're you're tagged him, like get after him as much as you can. But I think a guy like, <clears throat> excuse me, Alex Kendellen could definitely do that because he's been outstanding this season, definitely been the emerging star for Munster. Um, and I think there's still a bit of a couple of question marks over where his best position is. I don't know if he's a number eight in terms of going forward. I, I still think you need a bit of size. And I think someone like Gavin Coombs gives you that, but I, I hope he plays a seven this weekend. I think a back row with Peter O'Mahony at six and Jack O'Donoghue at eight with Alex Kendellum would be very, very interesting because I think going forward, um, seven could be Alex Kendellum's best position. We've seen him, how much of a threat he is around the break and he's unbelievable jackaler. So, um, they're all playing great, Keen. They're all, yeah. I know I, I know what you're saying, but those guys are all playing very well. Like Pete looks like he's, like, I mean, geez, mm-hmm. he's had some massive performances. And O'Donoghue, who's gone about his business, like he's, his, his, his stats are off the charts at the moment. Like he seems to just be getting through a load of work nice and quietly. Like I, I think this Munster back row, they, they could have a big day on home turf. Like they're very capable of it. They're all in good form and they're playing, you know, they, they have a nice, there's a nice blend to them too. I know, I get what you're saying about Hodnett and that. I, I do, but. I don't know. I feel like that could be the, you know, if you can slow him down, if you can frustrate him, he will make mistakes, you know, and, and it has to be, you can't, because he's touching the ball so often, you can't send one person after him. It's it, the problem with that. That's the, that's the thing about halfbacks is that it's everyone's job to manage a Bowden Barrett, to manage a, you know, whoever these running threats are and these, and these key guys, everyone has to be, that, that that's my point about like, because oftentimes, right. When you're doing your, your preparation for a match, right you'll like the backs will look at the backs and who you're going to come up against. You might look at maybe if you're being really pedantic, look at maybe their eight or whoever their big carrier is in the pack. Go, do you know, I might come up against him once or twice. I do need to know, you know, that guy can sidestep or that guy likes his left arm friend. Everyone 
we like one to 23 needs to know which foot he, he prefers to step off, how he'll hand off, which, which are like what he likes to do. Where, where does he not want to be all game? That's my point on that guy. Like, I think he's just too good and touches the ball too often for everyone not to be on it. To send one guy is a waste of time because I know everyone's got lots of jobs to do, line out scrums, whatever it is, set plays. That guy, he always seems to be the key guy in the big games. That's why he's been the world player. Like, he's so, so good. Everyone's got to be on it. And I think they're, in a, they're playing well enough that they can do it. What, what Do you think, do you agree with any of that? Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I just... It just popped into my head because when you're preparing, you can only prepare sometimes for the guy you're opposite, but really he's in everyone's job. Yeah, and I think like another guy who's playing outstandingly well for Munster is Craig Casey. And you know, there's a lot of calls in, in Munster at the moment for him to start this weekend. Personally, I think they'll probably go with Connor Murray because you know, we've just sp- been speaking about how good DuPont is. And I think, you know, Connor Murray's defensive kind of now around that could be a big help. If you were, if you were talking about double teaming him, Luke, I mean, if you had Connor Murray and let's say if it was Alex Kendall and that could be something that might be able to keep him quiet, but Casey's been playing really well. And I think been central to sort of the, the change in Munster that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, the pace that he's bringing to the game. Now, obviously that's coming a, a lot down to the, the fact that he's getting clean ball to play off the, the pack. The breakdown work has been superb. But um, I think that call is probably tighter than a lot of people, a lot of people think. And even having been chatting to a few people down in Munster, like there's a lot of people who think Craig Casey should start this weekend. But like I said, I still think if you're, if you're to look back over the years in terms of like big decisions and big games that Van Gran has made, he's normally gone for the most experienced player, apart from against Racing when Alex Wooten started ahead of Simon Zebo, which really didn't uh, work out well. But um, yeah, it's a big call. I like. I don't. What What do you guys think? Do you think there's merit, or do you, would you go with Conor Murray this weekend? I think it is a bread. There's, there's, there's certainly. A, I don't know will things, but I think there's certainly very strong case for it. You know, I, I, it is interesting. Murray is Murray's Murray's able to play a fast game though. You know, like I don't see like you could have someone on for like uh, to my mind where that split is now is a fifty thirty. Do you know that kind of way, or even a forty five thirty five split in terms of time on the pitch? Um. Because both of them are playing so well, and like you know, whoever comes on will have a big impact. The one thing I would say about Murray is that it's so nice to have a nine. You know, he's like defensively, generally speaking, he's been a bit, little bit loose on one or two things. I think since his his neck, but generally speaking, he reads the game so well. And so if Dupont is dummying or he's making a break, like Murray's like the guy you'd probably want to be covering. Uh, in that kind of second line of defense, just before they get to the back three, he reads that so well. He's a big guy. He'd be well able to manage Dupont because Dupont punches so far above his weight. You need to be a big, strong guy and have good technique. So it, that might be the edge. I know it sounds like such a weird thing to say for your nine, um, but that might be the thing that maybe edges it. That just defensive now is his positioning, his anticipation in that second line. He could snuff out maybe a, a Dupont break quicker than maybe someone else could so interesting point you make what do you think will any any merit in that or should you only be picking your nine on you know attacking ability how they run the game their kind of general how they, like you know just generally how they run the game in attack versus maybe their defensive piece no i think i agree with you when you said maybe it's a 50 30 kind of call at the moment i actually think conor Murray's had a really good couple of weeks kind of coinciding with munster's kind of upturn in form generally i thought he was really good in particular in the second uh, leg against exeter and I think Casey, yeah, it would be a great option to come in with half an hour to go. Like that, that's you're going to presume Munster are still going to be in the game at that stage. He can really add a lot of impetus coming in there, and I think he's had a kind of a quiet enough season. I, I don't think he's maybe hit as high a height as we had maybe hoped for 
kind of his second or third season now in the senior team, but he was really good last weekend coming off the bench against Cardiff, and I think he's a great option again against Toulouse, but maybe yeah, in like kind of a 30-minute second half role, but that could still be, you know, crucial, Keen, And in terms of the out-half, you know, battle, you know, Joey Carberry's had a good couple of weeks, but Roman Entomac as well was extremely influential for Toulouse against Ulster. He scored the try at the end of the first leg that ultimately proved crucial, got an intercept try in the second leg, his break in the first half, created Thomas Ramos's try as well when Ulster were really on top. He kind of dug them out of a game when Dubon was a little bit more quiet. He can be just as kind of dynamic and explosive as his halfback partner as well. Yeah, and he's similar in the sense that like he might not do something for half an hour and then all of a sudden he's he's making a line break. And then I know like it, it, it's interesting when an out half doesn't kick, I don't know, like, is it just me? But do you kind of have this mental thing where you don't maybe kind of see him as much? Because like Ramos is an exceptional kicker and that's something worth mentioning as well if Munster give away cheap penalties that guy will kick them from anywhere inside their own half but yeah like Entomac and DuPont just have such an intuitive understanding like I mean we saw the glimpses of it against Ulster they're so good to watch and even you'd, you'd imagine I think tickets are still going for like 20 quid this weekend you'd imagine if there's any neutrals in Ireland or around Dublin you know knocking around on Saturday afternoon paying 20 quid to go and see these guys, like there's exceptional players all over the place, but um, to see the two of them in the flesh is definitely a treat. And yeah, like he's, I, I, I think he's exceptional. I mean, is, is he? Am I right in saying is he, he's younger than Carberry, isn't he? Um, which is mad. Yeah. He's hopefully he's younger than him. Yeah, he, he seems to be around. He's he's actually the same age as Harry Byrne, I think. Isn't that right? Um, he he's he's he just seems like he's been around for years. I think I'm right in saying that. I'm open to correction. Um, he just seems like he's been around for years. He's got such a mature head on his shoulders and yeah like he's going to be key this weekend but I think Carberry's been playing well like I said at the start I think he's got a bit of the swagger about about him again Um, I think it was always going to come you know I can't imagine how tough it is to come back after those kind of setbacks and actually trust your body to be able to do what the mind wants to do and I think we're starting to see more of that now Um, but I'd go back to my initial point when we started talking about this game that if the pack can't provide that platform, it doesn't really matter who who is your 10 because I think you're going to struggle. So hopefully that monster back row can, you know, get on top, particularly around the breakdown, but it's probably in the front row is is particular where, where I think they're going to be a bit short. Okay, just before we finish up, we might go to predictions then. We'll start with Munster to lose. I actually think Munster are going to win this game. I think I just think they hit form at the right time. I don't think Toulouse are as good as they were last season. Like Cheslin Colby is a massive loss. He was a game breaker who turned a lot of games on his own. It's kind of hasn't been talked about that much because he hasn't been playing for too long a whole pile. But he was a huge loss. And yeah, I just have a feeling Munster might might sneak it. You know, I think there's going to be a good traveling contingent there. It'll be very tough. I agree with Keane. The front row is is a massive area that you know Toulouse have. You know, Marshawn, Cyril Boy, who are both top quality operators. Munster missing some of their key guys in that area. But I, th- I have a sneaking feeling they might get out on the right side of the result. Luke, what about you? I think Munster, yeah. I think um, I feel like it'll be a big crowd. I think that um, I think they'll get the defensive piece right. That's kind of key for them. I think they've had some shaky ones in the big games. Leinster probably comes to mind. Um you know, I do. I'm a little concerned with the like the Aviva is a fast track. Like it is a fast track, and um, it probably plays slightly to Toulouse's hands. But um, I don't know. I feel like there's a huge performance in this Munster team. I think this is it. I think they've been building nicely, uh, as you say, coming into form at just the right time. So I'm going to say Munster um, in a really, really tight one and a cagey one, like a one or two pointer. I think. And Keen. 
yeah, I think I think the opposite. I think Toulouse on a very narrow margin. I just think that the power of that pack, they've got a couple of guys that they can bring off the bench. Like um, I mentioned earlier, I just think the the one two of Julian Marchand and Malvaca. We've seen that in France win the Grand Slam how good they are and you're right to mention Cyril Boy as well like I mean for me he's just arguably the best loose head in the world right now and you'd have to say like Munster if there's been an Achilles heel over the last couple of years it's probably been in that front row so I without Dave Kilcoyne as well I just don't think that that's changed I think they could be caught short there so I think to lose uh, narrowly and now Leinster Leicester I'm going with Leinster I think they'll win by maybe a try I think as, as King kind of went through earlier I just think they're a better team further along on their journey and they've been really targeting Europe after a couple of tough defeats over the last couple of years. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, I think Leinster, I think by something like seven or like, I think it'll be a try in it. I, like, I think, well, they won't go down easy over there. I think it'll be a really tough game. I think uh, it probably won't be champagne rugby, but I think um, Leinster have enough in the pack and they've got enough around, you know, 10, 12, 13 to get them over the line. Um, Pass them in training with the dog um and i saw a few that few of the lads they look really good look trim look um really up for it aware of the challenge over there despite you know lester having not been at the top the last you know while so um yeah i'm gonna go leinster by seven or whatever roughly roughly about a try and keen last word to you well, if you were a journalist, Luke, you'd be telling us now if James Ryan was running in the starting team. Or, I actually didn't see. I swear to God, I didn't see. I um. You didn't have the binoculars with you, no? I didn't. I passed him by, and I just saw. I saw a few of the lads that I know, like so. I was like, "Oh, how are you get?" You know, just and then I was like, "Look, I, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I'll, I'll shoot off." It's so awkward now. Like I can't even. I can't even pop my head in to say hello. <laughs> it's bizarre. That's what being in the media has done. Um, not welcome in there anymore. But um, yeah, no, it was. They looked in great form. Like they all looked really good. So I'm thinking. They've been training hard and looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, I, I think Leinster by six to ten, maybe. Um, I like I, I explained earlier. I just think they're a better team. I think they're hitting form at the right time, and I don't think we've seen the, the best of them this season. I think obviously the Connacht performance, the the away the home leg at Aviva was exceptional, but I think they've got another couple of levels in them. I think if James Ryan is back as well, I think that would be a massive boost. And yeah, like, like I said, I, I, I think they'll be able to withstand that Leicester pack and I would expect Stuart Lancaster to have something up his sleeve, like a set piece move or something like that. And that could be the difference um, at the end of the day. So yeah, I think, uh, I think Leinster, Leinster to get through as well. And possibly comfortable. I, I always feel like beyond a try is comfortable. You think maybe they might be not, not not comfortable, but I like I just think they're they're a better team. I think they're further along. Like I said, I'm not convinced by the premiership. I mean, even if you're to look at, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, but like if you're to look at the the top of the table, like I mean, like Northampton are up there. Like you know, Queens have been knocked out of Europe. Um, like Saracens obviously have had their issues. So I'm just not sure. Um, I, I'm like I'm really interested to see. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. How good this Leicester team actually are because they had opened up a massive gap they've been pulled back a little bit so um i'm very curious to see how good this leicester team and maybe they will surprise me but i just think leinster the the leinster bench and in particular the leinster backs um are on another level i would say well it's set up to be an absolutely fascinating champions cup quarter final weekend but for now luke keen thanks so much for joining me cheers lads that's all we have time for this week on the left wing. We will be back next week with another podcast looking back on all the Champions Cup action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.